This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. And I say, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. If you could learn to work and play, and get along with each other. Welcome everybody to Wednesday War Games episode number 37. Joining me as always is my loyal, steadfast and internet friendly co-host Liam. Except he's not. Liam is here, but he's not here. It's like a, a weird mind puzzle in which Liam will feature on the show, just not with me at the same time. It's obviously because we've fallen out and we are, are extremely at odds, but of course we are committed to the podcast. So despite hating each other's guts, uh, me and Liam will now host the podcast Together, but separately. It's not at all because he's moving and he has terrible Wi-Fi. But nonetheless, on this episode, I, w- I will give you the rundown of what went down on AEW and NXT. Me and Liam don't actually hate each other, it's fine. But I'll give you the rundown of what happened on AEW and NXT, and then we'll go to Liam, who will give you also his takes on AEW and NXT. He's like, oh, it'll only be... F-. I listened like the first two minutes. So if we do repeat each ourselves, it's because I haven't listened to him and we're basically one brain. But I listened to the first two minutes just to, you know, to see how his audio was and stuff like that. And he was like, oh, I'm only going to talk about five minutes. And the audio file he sent is 20 minutes long. So that's minus me editing it. So it'll probably be slightly shorter than 20 minutes after I edit it. But nonetheless, I will only hear his takes when I'm editing the podcast. So if we do repeat ourselves, if he has the same takes as me, you know they're the correct takes. If he has different takes from me, you know they're the wrong takes. Hopefully we'll be back to a regular concurrent episode, (laughs) however you describe a regular podcast where two people talk to each other. Hopefully we'll be back to that next week, as opposed to, uh, I guess it's also concurrent when one person talks and then the other person talks and then we'll go back to me for the wrap up. But other than that, let's actually talk about these wrestling shows, shall we? It opened AEW Dynamite one last week, so we will talk about AEW Dynamite this week, or Fighter Fest, if you will, because it was Fighter Fest against the definitely not hastily thrown together Great American Bash this week. It's funny, you wouldn't have noticed if you just watched the show, but they tweeted a picture of a giant Great American Bash banner that they had there on uh, to the left of the ring during the show. And you would never have noticed the fact that they just dropped an NXT logo on top of the WWE logo from an old banner if they didn't tweet it out where you could expressly see that that was what they did. So I appreciate your self-sabotage, WWE. Uh, I'm, I'm really here for that. But yeah, AW at Fighter Fest, NXT had Great American Bash, uh, both in night one, night two of each show will be next week, because God forbid these shows don't counter-program each other at every turn, because they're desperate for ratings! But nonetheless, uh, AW opened with Wardlow and MJF against the Jurassic Express and Jungle Boy in a tremendous match, a really good match, like, probably the best match on the show, like the first 45 minutes of Dynamite. Absolutely superb. Great television. The rest of the show, not quite as good, but those first 45 minutes were excellent, and that opening match ruled. Ton of good Luchasaurus stuff, ton of good Jungle Boy stuff. Wardlow, fantastic. Dude's a star. Dude should be the biggest star in the world, and he'll kill MJF, who was, I guess, also in this match, (laughs) before Wardlow becomes the biggest star in the history of all elite wrestling. Maybe even the biggest star in the history of wrestling. And then Wardlow will be the man that leads... AEW to victory in the Wednesday Night Wars. It's our official Wednesday War Games prediction, but nonetheless, a uh, great match, great opener. Uh, they're still doing dissension between Wardlow and MJF, which I'm I'm not a fan of. It feels far too early to even tease dissension, never mind execute on it. But alas, hell of a match. 
which brought us through match number two. Probably going to be a short enough episode this week because without someone to bounce off, I don't like doing audio by myself. But, you know, we won't deprive you of, of a podcast uh, this week. We did of last week and we were, that's very cruel of us. I know you, you, you desperately expect Wednesday War Games every week. And when you don't get it, you're very sad, understandably. So we have given you an episode, even if probably going to move through it at a relatively quick pace. Because Liam went 20 minutes, of course. We, ha- we have to go through it at a relatively quick pace. Hikaru Shida defeated Penelope 4 to retain the AEW Women's Championship. Another really, really good match. A match that overachieved on, on every level. Like, if you were to look at the lineups for NXT and AEW this week, and you were to say, between Sasha Banks against Io Shirai and Hikaru Shida against Penelope Ford, which will be the better match? Most people would have predicted Io Shirai against Sasha Banks. Most people would have been wrong, because Sheeta against Penelope Ford was a much better match. Shockingly good, very well laid out, very well paced. Sheeta is a pro, not that Penelope Ford is bad, but she can be prone to being bad, and she's certainly not good yet, but she's getting there. And this is proof that put her in there with a real pro, and she can be carried, and she was, to a really good championship match, Penelope Ford's best match. Sheeta, a true pro's pro performance, really held this match together, very well laid out. All of Ford's hope spots were very well executed, particularly very late when Sheeta hit a falcon arrow and then Ford rolled through into a pin. Great near fall, tremendous stuff. AEW's women's division may not have a ton of depth, but what they do have is really good anchors for it as champions. Whether it was Riho at first or now Hikarushita, there's a couple of champions there who can really hold this thing together while, you know, the likes of Penelope Ford develop over time. Cody Rhodes defeated Jake Hager to retain the TNT Championship. They did the advanced stat stuff on screen. So they had a bunch of stuff up there like strikes per hour. Fun fact, Cody 107 strikes per hour to Jake Hager's 111. Grapples per hour, Cody 15 to 35. Pin attempts, Cody 21 to 9. Fouls, I don't know what a foul is. Like, is that like when the referee admonishes somebody or they don't break a count on time? I don't know. Uh, apparently, fouls, Cody 7, Hager 29. <laughs> and submission seconds, which is a euphemism for rest holds in the, in the case of Jake Hager. 106 seconds for Cody to 322 for Hager. It's the first time they've done those kind of advanced stats. And I, I like the idea of them, but stuff I think would be more appropriate is like win percentage or you know how often a certain move wins a match or what how they win matches you know match victories via submission versus via strike versus finishing maneuver because Cody would be very interesting because he usually wins matches a number of ways including this match which uh, Hager locked on a choke and then Cody kind of rolled him over into a pin much better executed roll over into a pin than that Cody and Darby Allen match a few weeks ago that's a few months ago at this stage but regardless uh this was fine Cody and Hager was fine there's nothing special it was a decent match Cody retained yeah that's about it there was it was a solid mid-card match Cody needs somebody probably more interesting than Hager in the the empty arena era to have a really good match uh, Hager has this might have been Hager's better one of Hager's better matches anyway I, I preferred it to the Moxley match and I preferred it to the Dustin Rhodes match so Hager does have that does have that going for him it was better than his two other very bad matches Chris Jericho was on commentary all night and I like Chris Jericho as much as the next guy I think Chris Jericho is a tremendously talented performer who can be trusted to do basically everything you need him to do Dude, just tone it down a little on commentary. Just, you know, take it down a couple of notches. It's everything that comes out of his mouth, he's shouting. And I don't understand why. He's just like, I'm going to shout every single word instead of at least 
speaking every so often in a normal voice and it's just like dude just take it down a couple octaves and only shout like two times per episode instead of shouting every line that comes out of your mouth it's like it's like all commentators like there was a time when Corey graves was very good then he became very bad there was a time when matt striker was very good and then he became very bad there was a time when mauro ronaldo was very good and then he became very bad and usually the through line the like the through line in all of those stories of announcers who were good who become bad or they become self-indulgent. They become too enamored with their own shtick instead of focusing on calling the action and telling the stories. And that's somewhat what happens with Jericho as well. He's just getting his shit in instead of, you know, toning it down a tad. But he was on commentary all the way through the show until the private party against Santana and Ortiz match in which private party defeated Santana and Ortiz to claim a world tag team title shot against Kenny Omega and Hangman Page next week at Fighter Fest Night 2, that match is basically there to replace John Moxley against Brian Cage, which was pushed another week to fight for the Fallen on the 15th. Uh, this match is okay. It has it has a lot of the problems I have, like I think a lot of private party matches have, in that they're they're less than the sum of their parts. Private party remind me of a probably more polished version of the SATs, if you remember the Maximo brothers back in the early aughts, where where they were one of the most innovative like impressive tag teams you'll see in a long time but a good like 60% of everything they did didn't come off and Private Party aren't that bad but they're also probably not as innovative as, as the SATs were but Private Party just need polish they just need time like there, there's a level of messy to all of their matches that can sometimes be quite appealing because like the Lucha Brothers have the same thing where like the chaos is a feature like they create utter chaos they weaponize the chaos whereas in the case of Private Party the chaos is more of a bug it more drags it down and I think they'll get there they're certainly like they're immensely talented they they will certainly be a top tag team in AEW someday but that day is not today even though they're getting a tag team title match next week Santana Ortiz lose way too much as well like come on at least give them the win here so they can face Kenny and Hangman next week and maybe they're saving that match I don't know but Santana Ortiz and the inner circle in general lose way too often like Sammy is the designated pin eater but he's suspended at the moment Santana Ortiz just basically lose literally all all the time Jericho he, he's I, I suppose a little better but Hager loses all the time too so you're like what's the point of all these people they're all losing they could really do with some wins especially over private party but yeah this is I thought it was better than the match they had last year private party and LAX I didn't like that match much last year at all but still not great still not the match you think these two teams should have which hopefully they will get to someday eventually. After the match, Jericho and Orange Cassidy were pulled away from each other, uh, setting up their match next week at Fighter Fest Night 2, which I probably will be the main event next week, now that Moxley and Cage has been pushed, which it'll be interesting to see how that does as a main event. Taz came out to cut an interview about how Moxley is a coward and WWE run a sloppy shop and that uh, the Brian Cage-John Moxley title match will now be on the 15th instead of the 8th. So that's about it. Taz is a good promo. He's believable. He's one of those people who when he speaks, you believe him and it's good. You should believe everybody when they speak and that's not always the case. And to, I think some people are too busy putting up a facade, you know, putting up the irony layer between them and their characters so that they, they don't need to be believed because they don't believe it themselves. Like they'll never, if you don't believe the words you're saying, the audience will never believe you and 
I think Taz always believes the words he's saying. The words that come out of his mouth are words that he believes and he says with conviction. It reminds me a lot of Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe is also one of those wrestlers who you just believe. Whenever he says anything, he could say anything. But his delivery and his intent and his tone and his like, just general demeanor, you believe him. As opposed to some other people. Like, that's my problem with Joey Janela a lot. Like, Joey Janela is one of those irony wrestlers who works very well in GCW. In that specific environment that has been created in GCW, Joey Janela is tremendous. On AEW, he hasn't found his voice. He hasn't found his character voice that works on a national television show. Rather than, you know, a, a, a meme-friendly environment in GCW. But, yeah, Taz, very believable. Best friends made their entrance... Driven out by Sue, Trent's mom, in a minivan. <laughs> and Trent's mom was like, have fun! And then Trent tanked her. It was the best entrance in the history of wrestling. I'm not going to walk that back. It's a factual statement. <laughs> there has never been a better entrance in the history of wrestling than this best friend's coming to the ring in a minivan driven by Trent's mom. It was actually better than the match, which slightly dis- disappointing. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with disappointing. Best friends against Kenny Omega and Hangman Page was a good match. I think it was a good tag team title match that just didn't hit the heights. It didn't feel like this big dramatic main event tag team title match. It probably wasn't nearly as good as like the general rule that Kenny and Hangman matches have been. And even best friends matches recently have been. So yeah, maybe these two teams don't have chemistry. I both liked and disliked the finish. I think it came somewhat out of nowhere, but I liked the idea that Hangman kind of wins the matches clutch by himself. And like, because basically the the last two minutes of this match was just a, a, a mini singles match between Trent and Hangman Page and Hangman won to retain the tag team titles. So like, I like that as a general rule, the idea that Page is like, honestly, the quote unquote star of the team who wins the matches, unlike Kenny. But it just, it didn't feel very climactic. It was good. Just good. Lowercase good. Which was AEW Dynamite. Fighter Fest Night 1. I thought, like, the first 45 minutes, the first two matches of the show, I thought were absolutely tremendous. Uh, both overachieving, both felt hot, both felt, like, pay-per-view level worthy. And then the rest of the show wasn't bad. Like, Cody and Hager was good. Private Party against LAX was good. And Kenny and Megan Hangman Page against Best Friends was good. So, like... It's not like the show fell off a cliff, but it did have a, a relatively steep decline in quality from hour one to hour two. Good show, though. Solid show. Less good was WWE NXT with their Great American Bash Night 1. I I didn't like the show at all. I thought the show was mostly bad, and there was like three matches on the show that I thought were actively terrible. Like, really really bad. We opened with uh, Tegan Ox against Candice LeRae against Dakota Kai against Mia Yim. Four generally tremendous pro wrestlers. People who you can rely on to have good matches who are solid and can always deliver and they're rarely sloppy and they they pretty much always deliver in these environments. Like the TakeOver In Your House match which I think had all four of these people plus uh, Raquel Gonzalez and I can't remember who the last person Shotzi Blackheart was the last person in that match. Like, that match was really good. That match was really well put together. This match wasn't. God, this match. It was bad in a weird way. Because it felt, like, in slow motion. And when we got down to Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox, they were wrestling as if they were in, like, the 55th minute of a 60-minute match. Like, they were exhausted and, you know, desperately fighting for everything and every blow. 
was was this like arduous battle and like that's not the match this was i'm sorry you can't do that you can't just pretend this is a war of attrition just because it's convenient to you that that's not how this works and exchanges were sloppy and they were slow and they were disjointed and the commentary was weird this match like i don't know people have been saying this match was good and i don't get it because i thought this match was really bad and i don't usually think matches with people like this who are really talented wrestlers are usually this bad but this match was really bad and I don't get people who are saying it's really good because it really wasn't regardless Tegan Knox won so I assume that sets up Tegan Knox to face Io Shirai next but we'll see I don't know Io seems busy Damian Priest challenged Cameron Grimes to a match next week because lord knows that's a few that needed to continue <laughs> Timmy Thatcher against Oni Lorcan was fine I don't know, like, I thought this match would be cool because it started with Oni Lorcan throwing a cool slap and I thought they were going to, like, have a big fight but instead they rolled on the floor for a while and then had a cool two minutes and the match was, like, 11 minutes long with four in a commercial, so it was fine. Again, there's nothing special but, like, again, people will rave about this match because they slapped on a few holes but, like, it didn't have much of the escalation or or, or, or drama or tension or urgency or, or like, holds... When you do a holds match, it either has to be intense or it has to be impressive, and this was neither. And I just, yeah, I just wanted more fire and fizz to this, and it was just kind of there. It was bad Tim Thatcher instead of good Tim Thatcher. Rhea Ripley <laughs> defeated Aaliyah and Robert Stone. Oh, how Rhea Ripley has fallen that she is doing comedy matches with Robert Stone and Aaliyah on a freaking quote unquote, it's not quite a takeover level event, but it's supposed to be like a pay per view equivalent show. And that's not how you treat a big star on a pay-per-view equivalent level show. Because, God, this, like, what happened? Why did this happen to Rhea Ripley? Why did they they give up on her? Like, she won the title. It was meant to be her big moment. And then she lost it four months later. And then Io won the title instead of her. And now she's doing comedy spots with Robbie E. Like... How did this happen? How did they let this happen? At one stage, Rhea Ripley was honestly, like seriously, the biggest star on this brand. Like Shayna Baszler against Rhea Ripley felt like a huge match back in December. And now Rhea Ripley is down to just wrestling Robbie E in comedy matches. It's like 2017 TNA. Like what are we doing? Why is this happening to Rhea Ripley? What, like, I don't get it. I'll never understand. But she won. She sold far too much in this match. This match went through a commercial break. Whoever formatted this show and thought Rhea Ripley versus Aliyah and Robert Stone needs to go through a commercial break it should be fired, I think, immediately. Like, for the love of God, stop it, stop it. Stop what you're doing right now and don't make this match go through a break. It wasn't even that long. I don't get it. Rhea won. I don't know what they're going to do with her next. Maybe more comedy with Robbie E. Maybe she'll end up being managed by Robbie E. Who knows? Roderick Strong is still trying to overcome his fear of Dexter Loomis, but they had a strap match in which the strap was barely used, by the way. I think Strong whipped him with the strap twice in the entire match. So I don't really get the point of a strap match where you don't use the strap. I guess they're still connected by the wrist. But then you just do a chain match. But even a chain match where you don't use the chain is stupid. This match was so long. It's like, like apparently this match was 16 minutes. And if you told me it was 40, I'd believe you. Because Lord knows you should not be able to have a bad match at Roderick Strong. And, and yet Dexter Loomis did. 
And this match wasn't very good at all. God, NXT, what are you doing? Why do you do it with Roderick Strong that he's a comedy goof? Like, Roderick Strong is famous for his backbreakers and he's famous for his chops. And multiple times in this match, he threw chops at Dexter Loomis and Dexter Loomis no-sold them. Nobody in the history of wrestling should ever no-sell a Roderick Strong chop. That's just not a thing that should happen. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOW net. Arenaclub.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And yet it did. And this match was super boring. And I think it was meant to make Dexter Loomis as a guy. But Lord, boring as hell. Like. God, they did nothing for most of the match. It felt twice as long as it was. It mercifully ended eventually with the Katagatame choke thing, with assisted with a strap. Didn't even look particularly good. Dexter Loomis beat Roderick Strong. Why we're still doing the Dexter Loomis push, I don't know. But regardless, it's still a thing that's happening. And God, I don't know. 
best thing on the show was like a three minute video package on Keith Lee against Adam Cole next week. Really good video package, really setting the table for next week. Good stuff. They should do more of this instead of Robbie comedy. Legado del Fantasma, which is the faction featuring Santos Escobar, Joaquin Wilde, and Raul Mendoza came out. They basically did the same angle they did a couple weeks ago. They're cutting a promo. Spud comes out. Spud's cut off after he valiantly fights. But this time, Breezango come out to make the save. So that sets up those three against Breezango and Spud next week in his six-man tag, which should be a fun match. I want, like as I said, I want a ton of Legado del Fantasma six-man tags, and we're getting one next week, so I cannot give out. Mercedes Martinez is still coming, and that brought us to our main event, Io Shirai defeated Sasha Banks after interference from Asuka in a match that was pretty good. Uh, again, like the AEW main event, it falls into the category of disappointment because I think it was pretty good, not great, but it's Sasha Banks against Io Shirai, a legitimate dream match, and I did not live up to the dream match hype. It was pretty good. <laughs> like, it's the, as it, it's the same as, as Trent against Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, in which the match wasn't bad, but I had much higher expectations for the match, and the match certainly did not live up to them. It was a solid TV main event, nothing special, nothing that people will, like, be, go back to and remember in years and years to come, but it was certainly better than the bad matches on this show, so that's a plus. It was the best match on NXT by a mile. I thought it was much better than even uh, Tim Thatcher and Orny Lorcan, so... It does have that going for it. And that's NXT. A quite bad show, especially for something that's meant to be like takeover adjacent level. Uh, really quite bad. But that's enough for me. Let's kick it over to Liam for his 20 minutes of takes on this on these shows. Hello, everyone. All of my lovely listeners out there. It is I, co-host of the Wednesday War Games podcast. The Shinny Hon Shawn Michaels himself, Liam. Just providing a little interlude here. Coming on the pod to give some brief thoughts. Just a little five minute thoughts on Fighter Fest and the Great American Bash. Um, last week we decided to skip the week due to mainly the same issues that are plaguing us this week in that... I am moving, and as I think in the lifespan of this podcast, that has been something I've done a few times, uh, it's a part of my life. I, 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 I live in one place, I go to university in another, so I'm back and forth a lot, and right now is the, the big move where everything's packed away, I don't exactly have a stable internet connection. Last week, I couldn't even watch the shows until, like, two or three days after they had happened. So, that's why we didn't have a podcast last week. And that's why this week, my good pal, my good friend and legendary co-host, Garrett Kidney, will be doing a solo show. Because, you know, he does have an internet connection and can record his thoughts on the, on the matches. But I didn't want to leave you guys without some sort of address because, you know, you guys are, you give us the pleasure of listening and supporting us and that is appreciated. This is very weird for me. I'm just sitting in my car, holding my phone to my face, using an app I've never seen before to record my thoughts. These feel like big shows. And, well, one of them felt like a big show, but it felt like a big week then, and I thought I'd just, you know, I asked Garrett if it would be alright if I just sent a little 
little five-minute thing with some thoughts about the shows. And he was gracious enough, as the editor of the Wednesday War Games, to take me up on that. So, uh, I guess, you know, since AEW won last week, purely on the poll, um, I'll, I'll just go through... I'll, my original plan was to do, like, just a couple good things and, like, one bad thing from each show. Just, you know, I'm not going to run down the entire shows because Garrett will do that for you. <laughs> but um, one of these shows didn't have many good things, so... The formula's in the air at the moment. But we'll go to Fighter Fest first. I want to give a big shout out to MJF and Wardlow versus Jurassic Express. A really hot opener. I thought it did a really good job of getting everyone involved over. I think coming out of the COVID era, it'll be really interesting to see which people got over to this audience. And when we start having shows with audiences again, I think it's going to be really interesting to see the new dynamics that have come out of it. I think this Wardlow-MJF dissension, which although I'm not exactly 100% into at the moment, because I think it's a little rushed, I think this dissension would be getting over pretty big in front of a crowd, especially if the Wardlow squashes had themselves uh, made it onto television even without the COVID era. I think Wardlow, as we all know... The War Dog. The War Dog's the future. I hope that even the more mainstream audience feels the same way about Wardlow. I thought um, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus both looked really good in this match. I I really, obviously, you know, not a massive Jungle Boy guy. I do like Luchasaurus, but not a massive Jungle Boy guy. I thought they had a really good face dynamic in this match, and maybe it's because they are going across MJF, who, by the way, MJF killed it in this match. Like, you know, we are both, myself and Garrett, we are both very tough on MJF, I think that's fair to say, but I really think that him and uh, Wardlow here, they did a really good job. I know there's a lot of people out there that were bummed out about Wardlow taking the pinfall, and, you know, that's understandable. Um, but I think they did a good job of having Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy have to completely unload the clip on Wardlow to get the win. I'm sure Garrett, you know, he doesn't, he likes clean finishes and all, but I thought they did a good job of protecting Wardlow in his loss. Uh, a couple other things that I really liked on that show, uh, Ford and Sheeta, I think they blew away everyone's expectations. I... Ford coming, uh, I was going to talk about Sheeta, but we'll talk about Ford first. Ford, I think she really over-delivered. Like, she was really good in this match. A lot of people, they don't like the the interference spots, and I get that, but I've always been a, a supporter of interference when it's not overblown, and I think they kept Kip's spot so to a minimum, and, you know, he just got his ass kicked at the end, that it didn't take away from the match. I think Sheeta was really good, and... I really like how she's getting a lot more aggressive now. Those knee strikes are getting a lot more vicious and they're getting a lot more plentiful. They're taking notes from Big Ken, I'm sure. Okay, I'll go to the, uh, the main event quickly. Because, uh, uh, you know, honestly, I expected a lot more from the main event because Hangman and Omega are front-runner, both wrestler of the year candidates and obviously tag team of the year candidates for me. And best friends have been like... They've been... I like I don't want to say undervalued, but they've been real stewards of the show, and they've especially during the COVID era they've really kept the show on track 
being on the show basically every week, along with Orange. So, as there is a car that drives past me. Oh, no, it goes behind me. Ooh. I'm not driving and recording. I want that to be emphasized. I'm just looking like a lunatic talking to himself in his car. Anyway, back to the main event. Um, best Friends and Omega and Hangman. A decent match, but I, I, I had really high hopes going into it. So the main event was kind of a little bit of a letdown to me, even though I did like the match. But things I didn't like on this show, I, I don't understand putting Private Party over Proud and Powerful at this point. Private Party are your long-term, uh, your long-term projects. They can take losses at this stage in their career, and it's really weird considering like how big LAX's uh, debut in AEW felt. Got a great reaction. Just rewatched it recently. And they felt like people that were going to be on the level of the Bucks in the company, but they've kind of become afterthoughts, which is kind of a disappointment. So I'm hoping that in the future we can... I guess it kind of feels like Private Party's win was unearned. Like, just because they have Matt Hardy, they are now this more cohesive unit that can beat Proud and Powerful. Whereas, like, that's something you should be showing. Like, you should show them losing, losing, but learning and getting better. And that's a long-term project, too. So I guess I'm just kind of disappointed at the immediacy of this change. And Cody Hager, man. Woof. That was not a match for me. It was just so long and just... Cody needs that connection to the crowd to be there. And although I do give credit to the AEW roster members in the crowd, they do a good job of setting the scene. It's not the same as an organic fan connection. I think they made the right choice by not making this the main event. I was kind of worried that it was going to be. I'm just ready for Cody to come back and be fighting in front of his crowd again. Because I think that's that's where he's going to be at his peak and that's where he's going to be at his best. Seems like we're riding off Hager after the match. Which is actually, I thought that was going to happen in some manner because um, kind of Hager lose to Mox and then Hager lose to Cody and then just completely like just chuck him in again with someone else because like he just comes across as a loser. So I'm guessing they were either writing him off to keep him fresh for the future or maybe he has a Bellator fight in the works and he's going to go off to fight camp and they don't want to risk him getting hurt either way i think it's it's smart to not just have hager around all year and now the big nxt the great american bash Oof, this was a show um whereas i thought fighter fest and aw does a really good job of this even though they're doing these shows in front of no people double or nothing fighter fest i think they've done a really good job of making these shows feel like big deals. And Great American Bash was the complete opposite. Like, it did not come across as a big deal. It came across as desperate. And it came across as second rent to me. Which, you know, desperate maybe. Um, oof, uh, the good bits of this show, I'm sure Garrett will tear into Thatcher and Lorcan enough that I don't have to do anything to say about that. I thought it was okay. A little disappointed. That's only because I've seen what they have done. And I I prefer that their Evolve stuff, their uh, Beyond like No Fan stuff I've seen, and that was a really good match. But yeah, this was, this was a little disappointing for me. 
It might be because of the audience, you know. The NXT crowd was really weird on this show. I swear at some points, the crowd was piped in. It really felt like it. And then, at some points... I'll just get to them anyway, because... Sasha and Io were so disappointing. It felt like the crowd was completely burnt out, which is an astonishing task, because how do you get a crowd that you're paying to sound completely burnt out? But, like, there was moments of, like, pure silence in that match. It was weird. And... Even before, because like, a lot of people are going to point to the interference as being the reason they didn't like that match. That entire match to me was just, it just, nothing. It didn't feel like, I think what it comes down to it is NXT to me is just very stale. It's a stale brand and a stale pro wrestling show. I also think it doesn't really offer a lot anymore. Because NXT used to be the in-ring work rate brand, even at the start of the AEW NXT war. I think it was still clearly the in-ring brand. But now, these matches are just boring. Like, they're not even... I can't even say they're bad. But they're just boring and they don't offer a lot. The opening match, I... Although it was really worked weird with the heels being the faces and the faces being the heels, and I don't remember a single thing Candice LeRae did the entire time, it... I still don't think it was a bad match. It just... Nothing happened. And I don't remember a single thing from it. Like... I think part of the opening match... I'm jumping all around. I need a Garrett Kidney here to keep me in check. I'm sorry. But I'm just going to go with the flow. Um, the opening match for me was like... Oof, it was just... I think the problem was... That the two faces in that match... Knox and Yim... Neither of, them, neither of them felt... That they had been pushed to that level... In recent months. Larray and Knox felt like both legitimate contenders for the title. Whereas... Knox and Yim just felt like they were pushed in there for the sake of being pushed in there. And I think that hurt the match when, you know, your match is going to be worked around your baby faces. And then they did weird spots like both of the baby faces trying to pin Knox, which, and then Knox has a big kick out, and then she looks like a star because she kicked out, but she's meant to be the bad guy. And you have the whole crowd chanting, like, that was awesome for the heel. And then, you know... The handicap match was just long. And honestly, I think Rhea should have lost in that manner. Like, you can get away with getting Rhea lost with her. Because, like, at this point, you know, she doesn't have the same aura that she used to have. You can just do whatever you want. Like, I think Rhea with the Robert Stone brand would have been more interesting just because I find her so plain now. Like, she's lost her mystique completely. And the Drake's, uh, the Drake segment was just dreadful as well. This guy comes across as a massive dope. Because he just keeps running out and getting beaten up. I do like Santos Escobar's whole group and shtick. I I think it has a cool look to it, a cool aesthetic. And I actually, I was gonna say he didn't really um, impress me a lot in the classic, the Cruiserweight Classic, <laughs> the Cruiserweight Tournament. But I like the gimmick enough to give this a try. I'm trying to think, like I just watched this show and I don't remember much else that was on it. Uh, oh, Dexter. Okay, <laughs> Roderick Strong and this, the DX antics are bad, but I didn't mind the match. It was just kind of there, and I know a lot of people are like maybe not mad, but they they are puzzled by putting Dexter over. But in this brand, if you have something that at least people are getting behind, you gotta push it because nothing else feels like it means anything so like if you have someone that you think oh this guy could connect and Dexter is connecting at least with the casual fans that I've spoken to I think you have to give it a shot to to work otherwise like 
it's just for not. So uh, I don't I don't mind Dexter getting the win here. I didn't mind the Carrion Cross segment. It's a little goofy, but hey, I'll take that over boring. Just last week, um, Cross and Bronson Reed. I really like that match. They just two big boys went out there, hit each other hard. I like that match better than anything on this show, <laughs> to be honest. Next week, Great American Bash. I'm not very excited for. I have to admit. I'll give it a shot. I always try to give NXT the fair shot. I can give it... I'll give it that. What a somber way to end this <laughs> this recording. But I guess that's that's the case with most of our podcasts because we talk about NXT last and NXT just doesn't connect with us very much. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how to... I mean, all right. I'll, I'll do what I do with the show. I'll give my winner and I'll give you my match of the of the night and then I'll send you back to Gary. I don't know where he's going to put this in the podcast. I don't know if he's going to open with it. That doesn't sound like a good idea or if he's going to put it between his AEW and NXT reviews. I'm going to give the show of the week to AEW and I'm going to give the match of the week to... MJF and Wardlow versus Jurassic Express. I really like that match. Sheeta and the Sheeta title defense against Ford. A close second for me too. I thought that match was really good. Nothing on NXT really did much for me to be honest. But them's the breaks. <laughs> I don't really know how to end this. PlayStation 5 coming out soon. <laughs> Damien Priest. That was probably my highlight. The Damien Priest promo. Because he's just cool now. I like him. I like that he acknowledged that like he likes heel stuff because he's been a career heel in NXT to this point. So that's my NXT moment of the week there. The Damien Priest promo. Um, so the fucking snakes in the grass. All of that business. All of the, the slogans. Mel, Wardlow, vaguely racist Irish accents. The whole shebang. I guess I'm going to send this back to Garrett. Like, back to you. But I don't know where you'll place it. But I'm sure your portion of this podcast was way better than mine. (laughs) As I rambled for nearly 20 minutes when I only expected this to be a five-minute segment. Thank you for listening. If you did. I don't blame you if you didn't. Um, And hopefully, probably, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled podcasting next week. Thank you, Liam. Mel, Wardlow, vaguely racist Irish actions indeed. Uh, Liam voted for AW. I vote for AW. The poll voted for AW. 78 votes. 80% to 20. Uh, also, my match of the week is also MJF and Wardlow against Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Very good match. Very worthy match of the week. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like more all the wrestling coverage in your podcasting feed, you can listen to Everything Elite. If you'd like more WWE television show coverage in your podcasting feed, you can listen to Shake Them Ropes. Follow us on Twitter at WarGamesPod, where you can vote in the poll. Follow me on Twitter at Garrett Kidney. You can follow Liam on Twitter at Larrikin, but he's locked, so you probably can't. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye. Bye.